It's Comical by Chasing Albert. My guest today is journalist, author and entrepreneur Tim Burrows. He needs no introduction to those in media and marketing, but for the rest of you, he's a funny, smart and successful entrepreneur. He's one of the founders of Mumbrella, a marketing and media news and events company. It started out as a news blog in 2008, a time when blogs simply weren't taken seriously. But then it became a serious news and events powerhouse and sold to a US events company some nine years later. Since then, he's published a book, which was best-selling for a brief moment in the very narrow Amazon category of media studies. His joke, not mine. His new media business, Unmade, offers a unique perspective on developments in the global marketing world as seen through an Australian lens. I'd have had him on ages ago, but I was just too intimidated to ask. You were intimidated? Why were you intimidated? Well, because you're Tim Burrows. And I thought, why would he come on my shitty podcast, even though it's not shitty? (laughs) But the reason why I've always wanted to speak with you is I've you have had such a long career in journalism and have had front row seats to everything that's happened in the industry, the marketing wins, the fails, the trends. You've seen it all. And then you take that and you start your own business. And I've always been curious to know what it was that you learnt and thought, I'm going to do that one day when I'm a business owner. What did you do and what didn't you do? But first, let's start with Unmade. Tell me about what Unmade is and how it differs from Mumbrella. Yeah, so Unmade is the thing I started. And thank you very much for, for the invitation, by the way. Uh, I I am very grateful to have the invite. So um, so <laughs> Unmade started uh, last year. It was um, back in August. And I suppose with, with most things, there's more than one reason for doing something. Um one of the parts of the puzzle was that I just became really interested in the way that Substack was emerging as an email platform. So mm-hmm. in much the same way that, you know, when I was involved in starting Mumbrella or nearly 15 years ago now, WordPress had just become a sort of mature publishing platform. Mm-hmm. It felt like Substack was beginning to do the same thing um, with a much tighter focus because it was really for helping journalists predominantly create newsletters, create a paid subscription tier and manage all of that side of things and, and really take take all of the hard work and drama and need for technical know-how so you could just sort of sit down and write. So so that was one part of the puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. Another part was, um, you know, for the previous four years or so, the thing I'd been most enjoying for Umbrella was writing the weekly Saturday morning email. And it just had begun to strike me that although, you know, for a long time, I'd been, you know, writing opinion pieces for Mumbrella and, you know, other jobs before that, there's just something ever so slightly different about writing an email. So um, that sort of just thought of, okay, well, you know, building a brand where the central part is an email to readers, um, that feels like something that could be quite interesting to learn about um learning about paid subscriptions which is something i'd never really done before for journalism that was quite interesting and also you know having previously built umbrella as a brand i just thought it'd be really interesting to kind of 
go again in a slightly different landscape, as I say, nearly 15 years later and, and see what had changed about building a brand. Because I, I think, you know, my instinct is that unmade in time will, won't just be a newsletter. It will be a brand because that's the nature of B2B publishing. So I guess it was just a chance to kind of try some new things in a, in a relatively low risk way. You know, there's nothing, you know, there was no big investment to begin with other than my own time. And you must have, well, actually, I'll ask you the question. When you started Mumbrella, what you were doing was really new and innovative, right, in terms of setting up a blog. Yes, it was news and insights, but set up on a blogging platform. Um, What research did you do then and what research did you do now into Substack that made you think, yep, this is a horse I'm going to back? Or did you just go by instinct? Look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed to say because I'm not, I'm not sure it's to be recommended, but it was <laughs> much more by instinct than, 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 than by research. Now, I suppose that's instinct informed by experience, you know, mm-hmm. so, so I think by the time I came to do Mumbrella, I'd had a lot of years under my belt writing about the media and marketing industry. A lot of years under my belt as a B2B editor who'd had quite a lot of commercial exposure as well. Mm-hmm. So I could sort of, you know, understood a lot of the levers of B2B publishing. Um, I'd had an opportunity already to play around with blogging a little bit. You know, I'd, I'd in, in the previous role before I came to Australia when I was in the Middle East, I'd, I sort of launched a blog for the 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 magazine I was the editor of then and I was doing some blogging um as the editor of B&T as well so so all of those things but but actually my 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 terrible idea for Mumbrella which fortunately we never executed was I, I I had an instinct that actually what the space was was for a series of newsletters for narrow parts of the industry so you know, I was thinking a weekly newsletter for media agencies, a weekly newsletter for PRs and so on. And at the time I was thinking that these, and I, you know, bear with me because this sounds like a dreadful idea. Um, the dreadful idea was to do it as PDFs. Um, and that, <laughs> which, which I know sounds laughable now, but the, the one thing at the time was we'd, um, I, I, by the time I joined B&T, it, it, it was publishing an online daily newsletter. But it wasn't getting much advertising support. And then they relaunched it as a PDF. And there were advertisers who were happy to buy a full page in a PDF Mm -hmm. who didn't want to buy a display ad on a website. You know, it was just Mm -hmm. the the time, 2007-ish. They just, you know, they they weren't quite ready to make the jump. So, so yeah, so I I kind of thought PDFs was going to be the way to go. But luckily, because we launched Mumbrella in um, very early December, um, there was there was no point l- launching these newsletters that side of Christmas, so I just kind of started blogging away on 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 WordPress just to get a bit of SEO going. And luckily, that was the bit that took off, and and you know it it came along just as sending email became cheap as well. So suddenly, mm-hmm. all of the barriers came down at once, and we were just very fortunate in how we timed our run. You've mentioned two things that interest me, brand and SEO. As a business owner and as a lot of people who listen are business owners, how important were each of those when you set up your business and how how important are they right now to Unmade? Look, I suppose as a journalist, again, I was sort of grasping towards the sense that they they were 
but I guess I didn't actually really understand or appreciate just what a big factor they were going to be. So I think a, a good decision that, that, that I made with Mumbrella was to go for a unique word. And, you know, I kind of, uh, went down to the pub with an, you know, uh, an ad wanker friend of mine who, um, <laughs> you know, his, his first thing he said when I suggested the word was he, yeah, that's a really warm word semantically, mum. So, um, so that, uh, that, you know, I, I guess owning a word. And I think the other thing he said to me was, um, you know, you can, or possibly it was maybe Adam Ferrier later on said, you can imbue values into a brand. Who just made that, that point that with a blank sheet, you can create the brand, which is what we're now trying to do with unmade as well. You know, that, that word is quite, you know, sort of thoughtfully chosen for, to, to try and get this picture of, you know, understanding how we got here and understanding that everything's changing and that we're going somewhere next. So there's, there's that thinking. And then the second part of your question around SEO, I mean, that sort of, the penny began to drop and I can just remember I used to just obsessively watch YouTube videos, particularly from, uh, at the time, a guy called Matt Cutts, who was the f- face of SEO for Google, um, mm. when Google was, uh, I guess quite transparent about those things. So I would, I, I would just try to apply what I was learning as I went. So it was very much on, on the tools. And then of course, I think when you're kind of doing publishing, you, you probably have a lot of wastage as well, but it is the sort of content that, um, that, that Google likes because it's, you know, it's original, it's fast changing. Um, hopefully it's high quality. And also there was a real ecosystem at the time of people commenting and blogging. So you're also getting a lot of inward links as well. So, so I think it all became quite sort of self reinforcing. Um, And it's easier to kind of, you know, post rationalize it than than claim it was a plan at the time. <laughs> but what about from a branding perspective? Was when you set out to start your business, did you sit down and go, brand is going to be critical and here's what I'm going to do to build it? No. No, not really. Um I suppose I came to it again that instinctive understanding as a journalist and editor where your masthead stands for something. So you know, we had our own, I suppose, implicit values. You know, initially I was the only journalist on the team and then, then obviously we grew a team. Um, and some of it in terms of the, those internal values, you know, you, 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 I, I guess instilled into the team by demonstration and behavior. But, um, I guess so much was just instinctively where I tended to be at as an editor, you know, pro transparency, uh, questioning of the status quo. If you've got to get into fights, punch upwards. Um, you know, you know, so there, there, there were a bunch of kind of rules that I suppose were there in the back of my mind, mm. but there was no bit of paper written down with them on. So you had your business values already defined in your head and building your brand was a matter of sticking to those values in the way you operated the business although honestly i wouldn't have defined them like that then you know so and i guess i've also had the benefit of an extra 15 years since then of writing about marketing and communications and 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 and, and obviously you, you know you think about what you're doing as a business so so yeah so look i definitely you know one of the things i found um in the process of doing unmade and, you know, I'm a 
former colleague from Umbrella, Damien Francis, has now joined me as the first thing we did was we sat down with a whiteboard and um, actually it's, it's we're, we're chatting, we can see each other on video and just out of the shot, I think, from where you are is that whiteboard with our various kind of, uh, there are words on it like that we wrote down in our session and they're still there, things like community, point of difference, um, uh, habits, expectations. Um, so... Uh, y- yeah, was, so we've been talking a lot about how to be thoughtful about where we go and what we want to stand for. But you didn't do that with your first business, right? No, no. Um, and and then of course we didn't really know. You know, at the time, I suppose we didn't really know what it was going to be. You know, whether it was going to be quite a small thing. Um, so I think. Once you do it once, you're probably a little bit more ambitious the second time around. So you, you, you look back at all of the little things you did that made it more difficult to scale and you just silly little things like, you know, the first time round, you know, my, my, my email address was just, you know, well, initially Tim at Focal Attractions, which was the holding company, but then Tim at Mumbrella. And of course, it would be much better to create the news desk, uh, the, the news desk email addresses, news desk umbrella, so that <laughs> when our, you know, when other journalists joined, they would receive the the press releases too. So just yep. silly things like that is is you know, if there is a a fighting chance that you're going to become a bigger business, then then I guess just being a little bit more thoughtful about structures and that kind of thing comes in a little, I guess. Throughout your time reporting on the media and marketing industry, you would have heard a lot of stories. You would have learned a lot. What did you learn about that you went, that is absolutely essential for my business and it proved to be true? I think um, one of the things about writing about media and marketing is you do – you learn by osmosis, you know, I'm not a marketer, but I have had to do marketing, you know, and there were, there were, you know, there were, there was a point where I stepped off the news desk and when we were running our events and stuff, you know, I, I was the first for a year. My main job was marketing, you know, well, I was sort of effectively making the business case for hiring a marketer. Um, so I, I, yeah, I have been probably lucky to get exposure to some quite good people over the years. You know, you see them speaking at our events, you talk to them. Um, so you have mates like Adam Ferrier. Yeah, that's you right. Text you know, and go, mate. <laughs> honestly, well, I, I, you know, I've been very for you know the the one. Uh, the, I mean, a couple of examples. One is I quote Adam a lot of that. Just that little insight of the best number of brands is one, which was when we were thinking about you know doing certain different things. But when you had a you'd built a brand like Mumbrella. Why then start another sister brand? Um, or yeah, I, I just remember the bizarre one where we were, uh, we'd organized the Mumbrella 360 conference and we were sort of, we we're having a bit of a meeting about a new product we were launching. We were literally just, you know, we were quite close to launch. So we were, we were grabbing coffee uh, just at a table at the Hilton while, um, while Mumbrella 360, the, the conference was going on upstairs and, and, the brilliant marketer Mark Ritson walked past. So just being able to grab him and get him to join the huddle to just quickly explain the principles of pricing to the team, just as he was on his way to get a coffee was the sort of privileged access you get to great marketers. Mm. You don't get in other, you know, in, 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 if you, if, if you were doing something different. So, um, so yeah, you are, you are lucky to get bits and pieces. Um, I'm not sure there's any single one piece that, um, has defined us that, you know, there've been so many really, you know, great people who've taught us great things. You know, we w- worked with, um, 
Tony Four for a while, who is now um, chairman of O Media, um, and um, you know was chairman of Junkie Media back in the way, and certainly in terms of running businesses, you know, he, one of his sort of mantras was talking around um, repeatable processes. You know, if you're running a number of events in our case, try and run them all in the same way against the same sort of critical paths and all of those things, which is really boring. But when you skate, you know, it sounds really boring, but when you're scaling, it makes all the difference between success or not. Mm. Mm, Absolutely. What about from a marketing perspective? What did you guys do as Mumbrella? Um, that that you think was absolutely critical. Um, did you have a marketing budget? Actually, let me let me ask you that. Did you when did you hire a marketer, and what kind of marketing budget did you set? Yeah, eventually we did. It took us some time. So yeah. you know, one of the the realities of a lot of publishing of all sorts, but certainly B two B, whether it's you know magazines or, or, or online, is you have to think of the journalism as a form of the content marketing. Um, you know, you're investing in that journalism. That's what's building your brand and reputation and authority and all of yeah. those things that gives you the right to run a conference or run an awards or whatever it might be. Yeah. So from that point of view, you could argue we had a marketing budget right from the beginning. We just wouldn't mm-hmm. have thought of it that way mm-hmm. so for the first few years you know the, the way we did our marketing was if we were organizing an event we would just write a news story saying we were organizing an event and it was mm-hmm. as simple as that and as a result we probably left an awful lot of money on the table because you know there were people who didn't come along who might have come along because if they didn't see the initial news story that was it yeah. so so look so i so we hit a point as we were beginning to reach a certain size where you know began to get the hunch that the next big hire we needed to make was a marketer. Um, so to make the case, yeah, I stepped back from the news desk for for the best part of a year and just went through a cycle of doing the marketing plans and the, a lot of the execution as well mm. myself for that year. Now, an awful mm. of, lot of that was still just using our own platforms, though. It was It was just sort of being a bit more planned about in the daily email, having a little message somewhere high up, somewhere further down um, that was tailored to each of our events. And it was, it was, you know, it was planned for each day and it was the schedule and writing the copy for those and all of those things. Um, And then when that began to work, we hired somebody um, to do it on a freelance basis and sort of take it off my plate. And then when that worked and each time we were just bootstrapping it, you know, if it paid for itself, we did more of it. We hired a really good marketer um, who, you know, was then with us and grew with us for, for several years, you know, so effectively, you know, she became a a, a big engine of profit of the company really, Um, you know, and we were always quite disciplined about, you know, okay, if we spend $100,000, and that would have been a lot for us on marketing this event, will it turn into a million dollars in revenue mm. with the sort of conversations mm. we would have? Um, and generally, we'd then sort of back down the number a bit and be a bit more realistic. But, um, but you know, definitely we, you know, we, we always very ROI based as well, because, you know, that there are always, as I say, it's B2B company. So an awful lot of it was about um, selling conference tickets, for instance. Um, so, you know, we, we tended to sort of, I guess the long-term brand building was the, the, the product itself, the publication, and then the short-term 
marketing was kind of activating against a particular event. And is that is that a model that you think you are going to continue with with Unmade? Yeah, look, I I would have thought so. I'm I'm on a slightly different trajectory this 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 time around. So for the for the first year of Unmade, because I've had some support from uh, Substack, the organisation who they they provide support to a few sort of journalists around the world to effectively help them go it alone. And one of the kind of parts of that deal is they they give you a lot of support, a bit of financial support, but also. Uh, uh, a Getty Images subscription, and mm. they'll 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 fund some podcast editing for you each month. Um, access to um, uh, LexisNexis, the kind of news database, and various things. And the other, but the the other part of that deal is that you don't have advertising in that year because they're they don't hate advertising, but they don't love it. So um, so we're not an all singing all dancing sort of traditional B two B publication yet mm. because we've got some months to go until um, that year is up. But then you know we talk to an you know we talk to an industry where fortunately for the publishers in that space there are a lot of organizations that want to talk to our audiences and are happy to advertise to do so 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 you know in- increasingly that that would be the next step but you know i you know so Damar and i we're again in that scaling thing although there's really only the two of us we already have a slack channel and uh various different subjects and one of them is is called event ideas and you just find that having done so many years of running of it, you just have ideas. So there's so many we're dying to do. But of course, first of all, you have to hit the scale where you've got a large enough audience that people are actually aware when you're doing something that'll be right for them. So, so, you know, that, that in time will be the plan, but it's kind of slow and steady to get there. And I mean, you are lucky as well in that you have built up a reputation and a personal brand of your own where people, I think, would be very ready and willing to follow and to jump on board and see what you're doing next. Have you seen that with the launch of this business? Has it been easier to to get your subscribers and people visiting than it was the first time with Mumbrella? Do you know, that's a good question. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I look back at the early you know, first few months or a couple of years of Umbrella, it was constantly leaving phone messages with reception saying, yeah, yes, like Umbrella with an M in front, as you, <laughs> as you, you kind of explained it. So, so, you know, I, I, I still chat to people every day who have maybe vaguely noticed that I don't seem to be at Umbrella anymore, but, um, haven't, the penny hasn't dropped that I'm now writing it unmade. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, at the same time, you know, we, we, we've had, we've, we've got more than 7,000 people, in fact, getting on for 8,000 now on the database as we speak, you know, yeah, that's and that's great. Yeah. Look at that. And that, and, and that's great because I don't, I, I, I don't think without my kind of contacts and profile in the industry, I don't think it would have gone as fast as that. And obviously most of those are in the kind of the free tier, but we're, you know, we've got in the very low hundreds of people subscribing to the paid tier now as well. So we're just very much in the beginnings of that. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's, as I say, seven or 8,000 at this stage. And, you know, I'd hope by the end of the year to be close to 10,000, but that's in an industry of maybe depending how you calculate it, 100,000 or 200,000. So there's still plenty of people to reach. And of course, because this is primarily an email platform at the moment, um, uh, there's a lot of people you're not reaching through that SEO side of things who, you know, who, who, 
when you do everything you do reach. And again, because I guess I'm much more analytical this time around. So I'm writing far fewer things, but longer and with a lot more context. I think it's more of a slow burn as well, because you're just not publishing in the same sort of quantity. And, you know, that absolutely, you know, there, there, there is a, you know, there's a direct correlation between traffic and output. So what's the vision then for Unmade? Where do you uh, want to be in five years? Look, I think the answer on the five years thing is murky to say the best. I, I you know, I, I, I don't have much of a crystal ball on that. You know, I think, I think there are certain things that you, you, you would want to be central to it. So you, you know, you'd want to be a respected source of analysis and insight. Um, you know, you'd like to think you were vying for, you know, being seen as the outlet to go to when you want to understand, you know, not just what's happened, but why it's happened. So that would be the reputational thing. Um, I would have thought that by then, you know, we, we, we will have other kind of pillars to the business model. And I think events is the obvious one, which, which isn't just a means to an end because, you know, I think, um, if you kind of think, you know, I mean, I think any B2B editor or B2B publisher should probably be organising themselves with the thought that their job is to help their audience in their working life and in their career. So, you know, if you're running really great conferences or events where people are learning things that helps them do their job better, then you're not just doing it in order to generate revenue. You're doing it because it's intrinsic to what you and, you know, the product should be about. So I... So yeah, in a, in a weird way, I am missing curating events actually, which, 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 which is the bit you, you can't really do at scale until you've got a big audience because, you know, getting people to kind of make the decision to, you know, give up the time to leave their desk or leave their house and actually come along, particularly post COVID, obviously, um, is still a stretch. But, but yeah, that's definitely something which I think, um, just, having the ideas or the insights and knowing the right people to get along for the right mix of content. That's, that's a really interesting part of the process. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely something I'd like to, uh, I'd, I'd like to get onto the path to sooner or later, but, but again, you know, also to be a, a company that's growing, you know, so as I say, it's myself and Damien at the moment. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I have ambitions that we're, a business of some size. You actually, speaking of events, you have a really great one coming up and I'm paraphrasing here about, you know, how to market to poor people. <laughs> you are paraphrasing slightly, but that's <laughs> fair enough. Yes. Uh, uh, marketing in a cost of living crisis. So whether, yes, which, which may have depending when this goes up, might, might have, uh, might or might not have happened. Cause as, as we're speaking, it's, uh, it's next Tuesday, which is the 24th of May. I want to say, I don't have it in front of me. That sounds about right. But yeah, look, you know, that, you know, for me, this is going to be one of the defining things about marketing in Australia for the next couple of years is going to be cost of living, but it's, mm. and that affects everybody, you know, so for marketers, just value becomes so much more important in terms of how you think about your product, how you talk about it, uh, persuading people to change brands might be easier, might be harder. Um, but certainly there's just going to be much, you know, so much more thoughtfulness. And, and yeah, you know, I think, 
you know, I, 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 and I think it's actually it's something that's relevant for everybody. You know, everybody notices price. You know, I um been in the UK for the last two or three months, and um, you know, I'm one of those shoppers who does look at the prices and the value for the different sizes. So, you know, I've been shocked to notice that, um, you know, this is just such a minor example, but, you know, baked beans used to be at about 45 cents per hundred, um, uh, hundred grams. Um, since I've been away, that's gone up to 58. Now I'm in the very privileged position. That doesn't change much for me, but that's like the, that's the cheapest way of buying baked beans has gone up by a third in less than a year. Um, and for people who really care about those sort of numbers, that changes everything about how you act as a consumer. So did you ever use an agency in your own business or get support from an agency, be it from a advertising media? Anything? Yeah, I, 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 on a couple of occasions with specific projects. So, for instance, there was um, there was one point where um, a, a an SEO agency, probably about three years in, helped us do a bit of a kind of you know report on how we were doing, and it. I, you know, I, I remember when we got this hundred page report back afterwards, I very quickly concluded that we were getting it about 90% right. And the amount of effort that it was going to take to do the other 10%, um, was, was probably going to detract from the product itself. So, so that, that, that report then molded in a drawer for a couple of years. And I'm afraid I never really acted upon it which isn't to say they were wrong in any way but um uh but there was that and then and then probably the only other thing is um on a couple of occasions a PR agencies helped us out with a specific project you know if uh we were looking to get some mainstream press coverage uh for instance at one point we did a kind of survey of the public of that we called the encore score which was of um how much the public liked or disliked various characters and um you know it was just to to get a bit of outside coverage because that was what they were good at and hey look you know we were on um uh, we were on in one night we were the lead item on both the current affair and today tonight so um so yeah you know there are there are definitely times when agencies can help you with stuff when it's outside of the core of what you do did pr live up to your expectations what do you uh, think it did for for the business well that's a very good question i mean i i, I think in that case it burnishes the brand a tiny bit that's probably the main thing you know it's in the same way of you know i i you know, would always take opportunities to sort of, you know, go and, um, you know, if invited, sort of give expert commentary on, you know, mainstream media, whether it was um, occasionally popping up on Masters of Spin on Weekend Sunrise on Seven or reviewing the newspapers on ABC News Breakfast and that sort of thing, which is really, really hard to define what it does for the brand, particularly when you're a B2B brand. But mm. I suspect some of it is every now and then one of your advertisers will see you, just gives them a bit of confidence. Um, so I think, you know, an, an, an awful lot is, is actually really hard to define what it is you're getting from it. But just because you, you can't measure it doesn't mean that you're not getting something from it. I imagine it would have played a, a role in building um, profile awareness and the reputation of the business that probably came in really handy when you're at that point of selling. Yeah, look, that could well be true because, you know, at the, at the point when we were sort of beginning that sort of um, sales process or exit process, 
you, you your reputation is really important obviously because you mm-hmm. want people to be interested to have the conversation in the first place and to feel that they're you know that they're potentially getting involved in something valuable yeah absolutely i've had i've been approached by companies where they've all they've wanted is to be everywhere right before you know they're they're ready to sell the business to help inflate the price they get hey, which look, is smart yeah, it's it's rather like um, I now do a very small amount of investing, usually sort of sort of seed or early stage, and it's actually very reassuring to see coverage and people who've won awards. And you often <laughs> see, yeah, funnily enough, so you'll often see, you know, the, 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 there's an investment I made recently, and I, I was I was actually, you know. One of the proof points was they'd won a major award. So it's okay. Well, you know, a a rigorous jury has looked at at this specific organization and be impressed what they've seen. So, um, so yeah. So I think those external validations do mean something. They do. Absolutely. Although on, let's use the term rigorous juries loosely. (laughs) Well, sometimes they're not rigorous and sometimes it's, if you can't pay, you can't get in. Well, look, don't, don't get me started on that because again, you know, I talked about that sort of 10% thing, hundred percent of effort, you might get 10% more credit. It's exactly the same thing when you're putting together a judging process, you know, over time you get a tiny bit more respect. Hopefully it becomes a little bit more meaningful, but you just sometimes it doesn't feel a lot of justice in the effort you put into judging stuff right versus the shonks who don't. Tim, I want to ask you a question about the about page on Unmade. This sounds a like a dangerous territory. <laughs> I'm just curious about the picture of yourself and Damien sitting <laughs> in, the, in the in the in the bushes in the country hiding. I don't know. What was the thought process behind this? <laughs> okay. So um, the story behind that particular image is it was actually taken on shortly before Damien uh, joined Unmade. We right. had, um, we, 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 we spent a couple of days kind of, you know, just, just working on the, the business plan. And Damien came out to my place in Tasmania for that. And, uh, yeah. and we went on a site visit for somewhere we might run an event in the future. Um, right. which was, um, yeah, off in, uh, off in the Tasmanian wilderness slightly. Uh, so that, <laughs> that, that, that image was taken there. So I, um, so look, I, I mean, I, I've, I really dislike that pomposity you get with, you know, journalists and journalism and, you know, people with their kind of, you know, their, their hand on their chin and the picture's black and white, although you know bloody well it was taken in colour and they've literally had to turn <laughs> it black and white. So so to me, that picture is just a bit... Fu- I, it's, we're, we're trying to be funny because there's too much pretension, I think, in this industry. So, so, you know, I think it's really important that you take what you do seriously, but it's death for journalists to take themselves seriously. Way too seriously. I, I love it and I love the approach and I often pick up on it and it's quite subtle in the stuff that you write um, but when you your sense of, when you bring through your sense of humour and make jokes, even though it's subtle, it's there. And I feel has become part of your brand too is that you're quite witty. Oh, bless you for noticing and for saying <laughs> so. <laughs> and I did. Listen, one of the good things for you about doing this podcast is, A, it's sold a book. So I did feel like if I'm going to speak to the man, I must buy his book. Oh, well, thank you very much. 
which I did and I've started to read. And I have to say my favourite part so far is the introduction because that's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> but I've loved it and I will finish reading it. But that your your writing is really, you have a style of writing that makes reading B2B subject matter actually feel like you're reading a novel. Oh, well, you're very kind. And if any of your listeners want a free sample, then I've also done an audio version, which you'll find on the Media Unmade podcast if you go back and search. So I've done, uh, I've, I've, I did the narration myself um, with the uh, very kind help of Abe's Audio, who did the production. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so the, the, the whole book is out there chapter by chapter on the, on, on the Unmade podcast. So you I can, will share uh, a link. You can find it on audio form too. Thank you. I will include the link in the podcast summary and description and on the website. Tim, thank you so much because honestly, you've done such an amazing job of um, covering the industry. What you did with Mumbrella was amazing and you're a brilliant writer, but you're also a fantastic business person. So I'm thrilled to have you on um, and thank you for sharing. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I really enjoyed it. Pleasure. Me too. Me too.